Great singing. Thank you so much uh, for Ellie, for the musicians, as they encourage us in our singing. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being here this morning. If you're not uh, one of our regular church tenders or a member, I realize there are a lot of other things that you could be doing this morning. And we thank you that you chose to come today. We're honored by that. And so in this time, we pray that this time will be profitable for you. And if you normally attend a church and you're our guest this morning, we're grateful that you are here today. In Greenville, there's especially a lot of churches, a lot of good churches that you could have gone to today. We're honored that you chose to come to be with us. We really do appreciate that. And of course, for our members and our regular attenders, thank you so much for your love, your care, and the way you minister to one another. It shows the love of Christ in your heart. I, mean, we, I, I certainly do appreciate that and thank you for it. And so you've come to a service in a church to sing and to praise God this morning. And this is the day that believers come and worship. We've done so since the early church. Um, in the early times, they would often meet in homes and they would uh, eat together and they would pray together, and they would understand and share the gospel together. And for those who converted from Judaism, you know, they didn't actually think that they were converting. They weren't, we weren't turning away from Judaism, but the Messiah was the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament. But they decided to meet on the first day of the week, because it was indeed the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And so they met And they turned from the Sabbath, or Shabbat, Saturday, as we would think it, into Sunday. And they met and gathered together. This morning, I'd like to turn our hearts to a psalm that, in fact, is the only psalm in which we find the word Sabbath. And that is Psalm 92. Would you turn there with me, please? Psalm 92. And this Sabbath psalm has a special significance to us today because of the day that is attached to a week in which we think of as Thanksgiving. Let's read it together. We'll bow, and then we'll dig into the Word. Psalm 92. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness by night with ten-string lute and with harp, with resounding music upon the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by what you have done. I will sing for joy at the works of your hand. How great are your works, O Lord! Your thoughts are very deep. A senseless man has no knowledge, nor does a stupid man understand this, that when the wicked sprouts up like grass and all who did iniquity flourish, it was only that they might be destroyed forevermore. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies will perish, and all who do iniquity will be scattered. But you have exalted my horn like that of the wild ox. I have been anointed with fresh oil, and my eye has looked exultantly upon my foes. My ears hear of the evildoers who rise up against me. The righteous man will flourish like the palm tree. He will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still yield fruit in old age. They shall be full of sap and very green. To declare that the Lord is upright. 
He is my rock. There is no unrighteousness in Him. May God add His blessing to the reading of His Word. Let's bow and ask for His help to understand this morning. Gracious God, thank You for who You are. Thank You that You are Most High. So this morning we come to You, a needy people, needing of understanding, needing of Your grace. So today, unfold Your Word by the power of the Holy Spirit. May we see it, may we draw strength from it, may we be obedient to it. And as Father, may we be glor- you be glorified through the actions that result from what we read this morning. May you be seen here today. For it's in Christ and I pray. Amen. Psalm 92. As I said, we're going to dig in. All right. Verse 1. Verse 1. Notice this is a psalm, a song for the Sabbath day. Um, Understand that this is, um, this is kind of interesting because as he brings this psalm for the Sabbath day, this Shabbat day, uh, this was a day that the Jewish people set aside everything else. Six days, they, six days they worked, and the seventh day was set aside unto the Lord. It was set apart. It was sanctified to God. And in that, God was worshipped, and in that, they received from God rest as they worshipped him, as they rested in that day. And so here is the psalm for that day, a unique psalm. This psalm was used for public worship, we have a feeling. The tradition says that this was a psalm written by Adam. But that's tradition, so we, we, can't, uh, we don't know that, because no one was around with Adam. And Moses wrote some years later. But, according to the Mishnah, this psalm was sung on the Sabbath day by the Levites in the temple. So take your mind back. This is what you would hear. It is good to give thanks to the Lord. To the Lord, Yahweh. It is a good thing. Good as an upright. Good as in a righteous thing. Good as in a worthy thing. A pleasant thing. Something that has desirable qualities. It is good. It's good to give thanks to the Lord. Yahweh, the personal name of God given to His people. This one who had rescued them from Egypt and brought them into a land. This God is good to give praise to that God. And the word there, to give thanks, is to confess and to openly declare and to show appreciation for God. It is good to give thanks, to confess thanks unto the Lord. And to sing praises. We've done that today, this morning. And to sing praises unto the Lord Most High. Your name. Now understand that the name of God was held in great reverence. Even today, if you see a Jewish person writing in English the name of God, they will give a dash where the O is. Part of that is a little bit of reverence and awe for God. Part of it, I think, harkens back to no vowels much. We didn't find many vowels in Hebrew at that time. Uh, And so, but it's a reverence and awe. The name of God is holy. The name of God we should hold in reverence. And so it is good to sing praises to your name. And look, for the very first time in this first verse, we're going to see something that comes up quite often. The idea that God is most high. Verse 8 is going to be the pinnacle here in a second. The God is most high. There, he has the highest point. It's good to give praises to him. Verse 2, 
Look in your, in your, uh, your scripture there. To declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness by night. So it is good to give thanks, yes, but it is also good to declare both morning and evening God's, first, his chesed, his loving kindness, and then his faithfulness in verse 2. To give thanks, yes, but to declare, to proclaim. It's not kept in a corner of a room. It is openly declared of who God is, and especially, particularly, His loving kindness. And this is the idea of loyal love, the steadfast love of a God who loves uniquely and who loves fully. And that God who, is, who has loyal love and, and loving kindness is kind of the word that the Nazbi kind of puts all there. Sometimes you see mercy. But that God is also faithful. So you're singing of His faithful. You're declaring His faithfulness that we can depend upon God. You can imagine you're sitting or you're standing in the, the court of the temple and you hear the Levites and as you cast your mind through the week, you can remember the times that God was in your own daily lives in an agri- agricultural, agrarian society. God was faithful. He sent the rains. The crops yielded fruit. He was loving. He was faithful. And he continues there uh, in verse after verse, into verse 3, he says, With ten-stringed lute and with harp and with resounding music upon the lyre. So he declared with music. This is very scriptural what we did today. We declared with music, with voice earlier. We, we, we vocally declared, and we also declared with music accompaniment of who God is, of what He has done, His faithfulness, His steadfastness. And we sang this morning, of how our hearts were filled with thankfulness. We, th- we sang of a, a wonderful and a merciful God. A God upon whom we, could, we can rely, not only in daily life, but rely upon Him for our salvation. We sang of that. We sang that everyone, all creatures of our God and King, should come together, rejoice, and lift our hearts and voices in singing to praise God from who all, whom all blessings flow. And we sang, and they sang, and declared with music, Why? For you, O Lord, have made me glad by what you have done. I will sing for joy at the works of your hands. And in verse 4, he, gives, he now unfolds some of the reason of how God has manifested himself to be faithful and to be uh, loving, kind, uh, loving and kind. You have made me glad. And the reaction that this one has, this psalmist has, is of gladness. Oh Lord, Yahweh, you have made me glad. My heart is rejoiced. I am happy because of what you have done. And notice that the object is not our happiness. Our happiness is a reflection of who God is. So it's, it's you, O oh Lord. It's you have done. Your hands. Understand that uniquely, our praise to God is not about us and our joy. And please show, show joy when you sing and rejoice. Okay? Please show that. But it's, it's for God. It's unto God. It is for Him that we sing. And we sing great he continues to recount. Um, he says, How great are your works, O Lord. So your works, again, this is brought out. 
both in 4 and 5, the works of God, the things that he declares and he does that no one else can do. God sees the most high. Your works, O oh Lord, they're great. They're, they're large um, adjectives. Stupendous. Uh, okay, fill in the blank. Mega. No, that's, not, that's old. Um, yes, your works are great, O oh Lord. And your thoughts, though. Now, so it's not only the doing, but it's the thought behind this being, this one who created everything, who has made everything, who set the planet spinning. This one, his thoughts are deep. Much deeper than mine. Much deeper than yours. Because yours are probably deeper than mine. Right? It's, and it's not like he, he sits and, and ponders. Hmm. That he's thinking on a whole different level. You know, it's interesting because we, we think we're smart. You know, we figure out all these theorems and we do all this stuff, and some of you think you're smart. Okay. Others are like, no, I don't think I'm smart. Okay, humankind, we think we're smart. And we have achieved a lot of things right? by God's grace. Only scratches the surface of the depth of an almighty creative, inventive God. The one in Colossians says he holds all things together. This God. His thoughts are deep. And so the psalmist turns from the works of the God, the thoughts of God, God being most high, to contrast that because that's always a good thing to do when we're thinking of God and his many facets of who he is. He contrasts God with, in verse 6, with men. First of all, he contrasts him with a, a, the simple, senseless man. So verse 6, a senseless man. Um, and we think of a brutish man. Someone who, um, yes, not only does, has no knowledge in verse 6, but someone who doesn't have even common sense. Of course, you know, uncommon sense is not very common, as one said. Um, but it, it's the person who he doesn't give thought. Uh, he's brutish. Or the stupid man has the idea of, of arrogance and stupidity. The insolent man, kind of that. Um, he's contrasting who God is in, in comparison to people think we are. And in comparison to God, all of us have this thought of, of senselessness, of stupidity, of pride in who we are and what we're doing. And we don't have knowledge and we don't have understanding. And he continues in verse 7 because he talks about the temporary nature of it. That when the wicked man sprouteth, because they're senseless, they're stupid, they don't understand that the wickedness is very temporary. It sprouts up like grass. Or in my case, in my yard, like weeds. Okay? And all, and all who did iniquity, they seem to flourish. They seem to flourish here but it's only that they might be destroyed forevermore. Understand that what we think of is the... We think of evil as permanent. And possibly I think it's because our lives are so short, we don't see the whole what God's doing over the, the centuries, the eons of, what, of how he is working. And we are often depressed because of wickedness. And we're offended, rightly so, because of the righteousness of God. But we're also told by the psalmist to fret not 
because of the evildoer. And this is why the temporary nature of one who is wicked, who opposes God, he will not stand. This one will not stand. They will be consumed, destroyed, exterminated there. And it's often by, the, by their own hands. Ever notice that? The wickedness of a person. Sometimes you see the very active judgment of God. Often he lets them go and they destroy themselves. And that's in contrast to a high and a mighty God. And if were this a, a true chiastic poem, verse 8 would be the, the center point, the X where everything meets, because in verse 8 we have this declaration of what he wants us to understand. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. So see what he's done. The works of God, the thoughts of God, contrasted with the evilness, with the brevity of life, and especially the brevity of, of wickedness, because senseless man doesn't understand. And that is in contrast to a high and mighty God, the supreme God. You are on high, not just now. Rulers of the earth can, can have um, a temporary power. You know, famously, um, many of you were not alive then, but when Khrushchev, you know, banged his shoe on the, uh, you know, well, USSR, USSR, uh, fell. Men rise, men fall. Men live, men die. God remains forever. Have you, been, have you ever been gripped with the supremacy of God? That God is supreme. Our God, the great God, He is above all. No one is higher. And because of His patience, He allows earth to continue, life to continue because of his patience, that men and women and boys and girls would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus, but it's not because he is, he's lost control. God has not lost control. He tarries now for a while. But one day he will insert himself. And we will see that he's most high. He's lifted up. What a contrast, this eternal God, this supreme God, this God that will never lose his place of supremacy in all of world, all of our human history, and everything that we can imagine and things that we cannot imagine. This God is over all. And so it does seem really brief. Wickedness, our time. He says, your enemies will be scattered. Verse 9. They'll be scattered, O Lord, and they will perish. All who do, do iniquity, iniquity will, be, will be scattered. Um, there again, that fretting. The fretting over evil. And that is not to say we do not combat it by the word of God and righteous living. Never doubt who's in control. Never doubt. Verse 10. Then you see the place of the one who is righteous who follows God. You see that place. It says, but you have exalted my horn. Now he's speaking poetic language. Um, The strength of an ox. Okay, so the wild ox. You've exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. And then he goes to, you've anointed with fresh oil. Oil was soothing. 
also was used in sanctification and setting apart of priests and Levites, but also was used just common everyday things of soothing oil and ointment. So my eye has looked exultantly upon my foes, my ears hear of evildoers who rise up against me. But that's in contrast of you have exalted me. You've exalted me because of being righteous. And verse 12 continues that thought. The righteous man will flourish like a palm tree. Okay, so a couple words I should have underlined. Righteous, flourish, and grow. I didn't. Uh, but grow, the air should be underlined. If I could do it now, I would. Um, but look what happens. The one who is right, and according to who God is, righteous living, but also right in sense of justified by Christ now on this side of the cross, this one will flourish. He says, like the palm tree now in this time, they looked ahead to the Messiah who would come, and they lived according to what God, this one, righteous man, will flourish. And he uses two trees. Two trees. One that was, uh, one that was uh, able to be sustained with very little water, a palm tree. Okay, so you go to very arid climates, and you, see, you don't see pine trees, you see palm trees. And then he talks about the cedar of Lebanon, which is the strong tree from Lebanon, yes, the tree in which much of Solomon's temple was constructed. So you have something that has longevity in, even in the palm tree, even in tough situations, and then you have the strength of the cedar. And so he's making that comparison. The righteous, righteous one will flourish and will grow. They will grow. And look at this next, because 13 and 14 are just beautiful verses. And it's like they're growing, like they're planted in the house of the Lord. They've been taken from the arid climates. They've been taken from the hills of, of Lebanon. And they've been planted in the house of the Lord, tended and cared for. Well, these, these are strength that have, uh, trees that have these properties, and now they're being tended and cared for in the house of the Lord. This is how the righteous man is, because he's, we're... He is being cared for. They will flourish in the courts of our God. Let's stop here a second because God has placed us positionally after the cross now in the family of God. But it is our responsibility and duty to be in the courts of the Lord. How do we do that? Says that church, we don't have courts. Necessarily. That is commanded to gather. It's in the presence of God. Daily. Daily. Reading God's Word. Praying. Asking Him to speak to, through your Word. Maybe you've been in that place where you're reading God's Word and somehow He kind of puts your finger on something in your heart because of what the Word says and I need to get rid of that. Or you're reading in the Word and you're discouraged and you're just kind of... And you see something like this, that God is exalted and high and lifted up and you're encouraged for the day. And I love 14 because you who think that you're old... You may be, but you will still yield fruit. I'm, I'm kidding. Don't get upset with me about being old. You will still yield fruit. Okay, there's no retirement in the Christian life. I mean, you can retire vocationally. But there's no retirement from being a Christian. There's no requirement from, from bearing fruit. And he says the one who is in the courts of the Lord, who, who is flourishing because he's the righteous one, this one will continue to yield fruit. So, metaphorically, this one is continuing to, to show the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5. This one is still continuing to share the gospel and the fruit of lives coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus. 
This is still happening. They don't go to the rocking chair in the sky or in Florida, or, although Florida's nice if you're from Florida, I'm sorry, uh, or South Carolina. Everybody's moving here to Greenville. Okay, and I love the, and they're going to be sappy and very green. Uh, no. Um, again, poetically, this is where there, if, a, if a plant has sap coming through it and is green, it's growing, isn't it? There's life there. There's life there. I go and trim my, my bushes, and because I haven't taken care of them the year, they'll snap off. Uh, there's no life there. Okay. This is all flowing from the Most High God, verse 8. We worked into 8, and then we're working back out of 8 here. This is what God does for the one who places his trust in God, who places himself in God's hand. He grows. He continues to grow. There is no sunset in the growth. There's just a, a change of room to heaven. So what is it that is the capstone of this psalm? First verse, it's good to give thanks. 15. To declare that the Lord is upright. See, that life that is full of fruit, that life that is living for God, that is spending time in God's Word, that is growing, is understanding, that one will declare that the Lord is right. He will do so by his lips, his song, his life, her life. And they'll say, He is my rock. God is my rock. Their stability will be on God, not on politics, not on anything else, not on money, not on wealth, not on position, nothing else. Their stability, their rock. God is their rock. And they will continue to show and to prove that there is no unrighteousness in God. They, they can rely upon God. The unrighteous, you cannot rely upon them. You can't trust their word. Remember we sang in the earlier week, we, figuratively in the psalm, we sang earlier that God is faithful, His loving kindness is great because He's righteous. He is my rock. There is no unrighteousness in Him. It is good to give thanks, to confess with my mouth thanks to God. He is upright. He is a rock. No unrighteousness. And so we see from Psalm 92, the psalm of the Sabbath, this psalm, that it is good to give thanks to the Lord. It is good. The God who is our rock, our defense. You know, we have to come to the understanding that we give thanks, first of all, because of who God is. We give thanks because of who God is. We probably, and it's not wrong, but it's probably too quickly give thanks for what he does. Because we are the recipients of a lot of what he does. Yeah. But who he is. In this psalm, faithful, righteous, steadfast and loyal love and loving kindness. Giving thanks to God for who he is. His character his character, that he's gracious, that he's holy, that he's just, that he's transcendent, and that he is eminent right here with us. 
to give thanks to God for who He is. I wonder how many times we take, how often we take the time to give thanks for who He is. Not asking Him for things. Not saying thank you for the good things that you've done for me already. But God, thank you for being you. For being holy, being righteous, and I can depend upon you that what your word says is true. I don't have to kind of figure it out. I don't have to make it up as I go. For your graciousness and salvation to me. For your mercy. Thank you. And yes, we, we thank God for, who, for what He does. There you go. We do thank Him for what He does and, and the work that He does. The, the common grace that He gives to all. I understand that God speaks of in Scripture, He reigns on the just and the unjust. There's common grace to those who follow God. Uh, but there's also common grace given to those who do not follow God. They allowed breath. So common grace above uh, on all of, of earth. You know, we, we take for granted those things that uh, God does for us. Just the simple things, uh, the breath, until it's hard to breathe. All are given, and the opportunity that is given to us of breath. And what God does also, not only common grace, but that grace extended to believers, saving grace, the effectual work of God that has, gives the, the ability for a believer to have faith, for a believer to exercise that faith, and God, and by grace, we are saved. He gives that. That's, wow, that's, that's way up there in what he does, isn't it? We haven't gotten to the daily things yet. We thank God for what he does. Who he is results in what he does. We thank God also for, yes, who he gives. Who he places in our lives. The ones you like, the ones you don't like. Giving thanks to God. Giving thanks for fellow believers who love and care. It's been neat to see recently with um, just um, illnesses and injuries of some of the church. Those who have stepped in without me or Mark having to call. They go and visit somebody and they'll say, oh yeah, this person, this person. All these people who have visited them from the body of Christ. And it's like, that's what it is. That's, you know, I didn't fist bump you know, pump when, I, when he said that, but I, that's the body of Christ. That we love each other to do those things, not because we have to, but because we care for each, each other. We minister. It's that togetherness for the cause of Christ that we go out together and tell the good news of Jesus, the participation in the gospel, that work. And that's who he gives to us, and we rejoice and those people that God places around us. Never take for granted the believers around you, the encouragement. Uh, just as a personal note, um, let you know how much Vicki and I appreciate just everyone in the body here. And it's not that you, you care for us greatly, but we just appreciate how you care for others. And it's, it's exciting. It really is. Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts 
to which indeed you are called in one, one body. And be thankful. Thankful for the peace of God. Thankful for the body that God gives to us. And thankful for those that are around us that while they may not know Jesus, we have the opportunity to minister to them, to show them love, to care for them. It's interesting because some people who are talking on Sunday night are resistant and they need love. Some are neutral and we show them love. Some are caring and sweet and Maybe you've had someone who's caring and sweet. It's easy to show those people love because they love you right back. Everyone. By the way, that happens in both who, do, who know Christ and those who don't know Christ are people who are sweet and kind and believers. And, but thank you for putting up with me, for not being sweet and kind all the time. But then who God gives to us, we have the verse of, of this calling of one body. We think of the trials. What he gives to us is so important. What he sends our way. We are often not thankful for everything that he sends our way. It's hard to give thanks for the trials, isn't it? It is a bit. It goes against uh, the grain of our nature to say thank you for that trial, to thank you for that heartache. James reminds us to consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Joy has the idea of also thankfulness. Philippians 4, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. He just doesn't say don't pray. Just as you come, be thankful. Thankful that there's a God. Thankful that he's allowed you as a follower of Christ, to endure trials, to endure difficulties. He knows exactly where you are. And so we are thankful to him. We thank our God. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. The glory of God resounding to our good for those who love God. Say, I'm sick, or my loved one is sick. Give thanks for what God gives. And all of that fits into the next, what we learn as a Christian. Because a growing Christian has this idea of thankfulness. Not only is there hope, not only is there worship as a part, not only is there holiness, not only is there gathering, we thank. We thank God. And that is how God works in our heart, the righteous one who loves God, who desires to please God and to serve God, God does the work in their heart and life. And thanksgiving bubbles over.
the goal of the believer is to be like Christ. As we do so, we are full of thanks, full of thanksgiving. You know, you and I have a, a blessed opportunity, a blessed privilege. If you know God, if you're a follower of Christ, you've been given so much. May we take and seize the opportunity of grateful, joyful praise and thanksgiving to the great God who is most high. Let's bow for prayer. Gracious God, by your power and by your word, we thank you, we praise you. There is none higher. Oh God, many of us encounter trials on a daily basis that would overwhelm many, except that you have chosen them to endure trials and you have given them the grace to do so. And I thank you. I thank you that you have, by your grace, provided salvation for us. I thank you that you have, by your mercy, have prepared us a home in heaven and that while we wait for that future place, we have the blessed presence of God in our hearts and lives. We are not alone. And you've given us the fellowship of believers for encouragement. So thank you, God. Thank you for who you are. May you be glorified in our lives. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.